How much do you know about Mass Challenge? Almost nobody cares how your product works. They care what problem it solves. It's a job creation engine that became an incubator and then an accelerator and then went global. Get your pitch deck in order. Get your presentation down. It's going to be high pressure pitching. You're going to have five to ten minutes to make a case and make the case really clearly. You've heard about self-driving cars. What about self-driving Boats. We're going to take boats and add robotics and high-level intelligence to them and make them drive themselves, whether or not they're humans on board. Ever find yourself agreeing to split the cost of something, but you never collect the other half? Like everything, there's an app for that. It's all online. You're no longer carrying around envelopes full of cash and checks and chasing people down. Rather than spending time researching things within an inch of its life, my advice is to go out there and experiment. Try to find product market fit before your business plan has committed you to a particular path. This is The Language of Business, a weekly podcast designed to inform and inspire entrepreneurs and anyone thinking about a startup. Learn about strategies that work and strategies that don't work. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Greg Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. On this episode, we look at a job creation engine that became an incubator and then an accelerator, Mass Challenge. Here's Greg Stoller. Thanks, Don. If you're an entrepreneur seeking funding, what's the difference between an accelerator or an incubator? And as long as you get the money, does it really matter? We're on location here in Boston with the president of Mass Challenge, Mike Lorette, and welcome to Language of Business. Thank you, Greg. Nice to be here. What is the difference between an accelerator and an incubator? Well, an accelerator is really just as the name suggests. We're looking to help entrepreneurs get the resources they need as fast as they possibly can. Usually the first year in business for an entrepreneur, they're just trying to figure out the lawyers, the marketers, the resources, the team members, and we put it all in one place where they can have access to that. And an incubator usually has a different sort of an outcome that they're aiming for. It might be an investment, it might be a particular product launch or a market fit. And so an incubation is more nurturing something, an idea along that same path to a desired outcome. And where did Mass Challenge start from? So we started originally as a job creation engine. Our first partner was the state of Massachusetts because we were facing the depth of the recession in 2009 and the answer was create jobs. And who creates jobs better than entrepreneurs? So that's how we started and we created this nonprofit zero equity platform where those entrepreneurs can get those resources provided by the community. So the community acts as the judges, the mentors, and the resource providers for our startups. Unbeknownst to a lot of people, Mass Challenge is not just in Massachusetts. You're in Mexico, Israel, London. How did you expand so quickly? It's ironic to mention that the Governor Baker is actually in Israel at the Mass Challenge office literally as we speak. And that really is the reason why we're in Israel and the reason why we're in Mexico, Switzerland, London. And it's partly because of the state of Mass Massachusetts, not only Governor Baker, but former Governor uh, Deval Patrick, he had nine outbound trips. So he went to Israel twice. He went to Mexico. He went to London. As a result, there was tremendous interest in building business connections with Boston. And so this office here, Mass Challenge, became a frequent stop on those tours. So high-level government officials see Boston, see MIT, see Harvard, see Mass Challenge, and there was an appetite that was born out of that. Are all Mass Challenges, even outside of the country, created equally? It's a great question, Greg. I think at the core, we will not straight from our DNA, which is we will always offer our resources for free for the startups and we don't take any equity in our program. So there's some things that are fixed. However, any program that operates in a different country needs to adapt to local culture and local influence.
influences. Does Mass Challenge London function in the same way outside of zero equity as its Israeli, its Mexican, or its Massachusetts counterpart? It does, in that the four months of acceleration are roughly the same, and we do have a competitive layer on top of that accelerator as well. So everyone has the opportunity to earn a certain amount of cash at the end of the program. So it functions the same. It's a four-month accelerator. It's built heavily on mentorship and great curriculum and community involvement, and there's an opportunity to win a little bit of cash at the end. So it does operate essentially the same. If you're not taking any equity, how does Mass Challenge all over the world make any money? We rely on great partners. So 75% of our funding comes from corporations. And so there's this emerging trend of where corporate innovation meets entrepreneurship, and we're seizing the opportunity there to maximize our value within that trend. And what does that mean by partnership? Are they giving you hard cash? Are they giving you services or something else entirely? Yeah, a little of both. And we, and we usually call that kind of partnership enlightened self-interest. So they're enlightened that they, they truly believe in the Mass Challenge model. They want to contribute to a nonprofit. They want to do good in the world. And so there's that element of corporate philanthropy, if you will. However, everyone that we're dealing with wants to achieve business impact with a relationship. And how do you guys define success at the Mass Challenge level? A few of the metrics that we're particularly proud of are over 1,200 startups. They've raised almost $2 billion. So we're practically a $2 billion company here at Mass Challenge. Also, more importantly, since we started as a job creation engine, we've created 10,000 direct jobs and then 50,000 indirect jobs, if you think about the exponential factor of job creation. Revenue growth, we've had $700 million of revenue that our startups have created, and our startups love us. So 83% recommend Mass Challenge to another startup, and so we're very proud of those numbers. Mike, thank you. Of course. Mike Lorette, the president of Mass Challenge, and we're on location here in Boston. The job creation engine that became an incubator and then an accelerator and went global. As the language of business look at Mass Challenge continues. Is it possible for an organization to outgrow its name? And at the end of the day, does that matter? Mass Challenge isn't only in Boston, but also Massachusetts, and of course, across the entire United States. Welcome to Scott Bailey, Managing Director of the Language of Business. Thank you very much for having me. Mass Challenge started in Boston, but expanded statewide. Where is it now? Yeah, well, Mass Challenge, I think it's always had aspirations of being global. So we've always had a global applicant pool. We're open to anyone with any idea from anywhere in the world. But here in Boston, we take 128 of the best, of the best of the best. We had almost uh, 2,000 applications this year. We took 128 companies, and we just awarded $1.5 million in grants to support them. And is that 128 of the best of the best from Massachusetts or from the entire country? From the entire world, actually. So. Uh, this year's pool, about 45% of the companies were Massachusetts-based, but then another, if you take the rest, 65% was split between outside of Massachusetts and also the rest of the world. If you have a UK company, are they going to go through Mass Challenge London, or are they going to come here to Boston? What I always think about is, uh, from the startup perspective, they want support locally because that's where their family is, that's where they've got other resources like mentors and coaches and investment, but what they want is global access. So we really are, are betting, our, as part of our strategy, that having access to global markets is a key part of a value proposition that becomes more and more compelling for startups as they think about globalizing their business and scaling. If somebody's based in California but wants to get the most out of their Boston-based Mass Challenge experience, what do you advise them to do? Come move here. We've got great schools, we've great hospitals, we've got access to large corporates. It's really like a great hub of entrepreneurship and innovation. For example, we just launched our digital health program, Pulse at Mass Challenge, and we just announced 31 of the best-in-class digital health uh, companies where we'll support them for six months, engaging with the local community, whether that's uh, top hospitals, payers, patients, and, and just helping them make real progress on their company. If somebody offers to telecommute in because they don't want to move to Boston, what would you recommend they do then? I'd say 
they they should uh, probably telecommute in. But right. uh, but for the most part, a lot of people apply to Mass Challenge because they want an access to something, and so it's something that they can't get where they are. And uh, we're also interested in expanding around the U.S. So although we're based here in Boston, we're looking at launching other programs around the country as well. After they graduate, what services do they get from you guys moving forward? So what they can expect after they leave Mass Challenge is maybe they get some funding as part of the awards, and they also get to stay in the space if they want uh, as winners. And then going beyond that, they still get access to the Mass Challenge community and network. And we always say you're alumni for life, so they always stay engaged and they come back and help uh, future classes. Walking around your space here, it's really cool. You see row after row. Are those individual entrepreneurs, individual startups? How does everything get allocated? I'd say it's a range. Uh, there's a lot of need with 128 companies. The average team size is about four people. So you can expect anywhere from three to 400 people in a typical cohort. What you see in the startups behind us here, uh, they're typically a couple teams. Again, the average team size is about four people, but they also can range up to 10. So we have to work with them very closely to make sure that we're getting them what they need during the program and after the program. And do their mentors sit right next to them or do they roll from table to table? You'll find that most of the startups meet with them in more casual settings, whether it's in the couches or conference rooms. The mentors uh, might have daytime jobs, so they do this as part of their giving back to the community, and that's all volunteer. So uh, typically they work it out with the teams, but this is really primarily focused for the startups, and then we try and create spaces around that allow the mentors and the teams to have meaningful engagements. Scott, thank you. Thank you very much. Scott Bailey, Managing Director of Mass Challenge. Coming up on the Language of Business, ever find yourself agreeing to split the cost of something, but you never collect the other half? Well, like everything, there's an app for that. But first, you've heard about self-driving cars. What about self-driving boats? When the Language of Business look at Mass Challenge continues. Our sponsor is Art Lifting. If you have a small business, or even if you run a Fortune 500 company, you can uplift the look of your office with Art Lifting. Art Lifting has over 1,300 artworks in a variety of styles and prices. You can buy them or rent them and switch them up on a rotation every month or so. But wait, there's more. All of the Art Lifting art is by artists who are homeless or dealing with disabilities. So you not only brighten and uplift your office, you're helping local communities across the USA. To learn more and view the collection, go to artlifting.com. The Language of Business look at Mass Challenge continues. Once again, here's Greg Stoller. Thanks, Don. What's the difference between a self-driving boat and a boat which drives itself? To Alex Lorman, the answer is anything but semantics. He is CTO and co-founder of Sea Machines Robotics, and welcome to the Language of Business. Thanks so much. What is the difference? We make boats drive themselves. We don't want to make boats. There are a lot of people out there that are really good at that already. So we're going to take boats and add systems and add sensors and add robotics and high-level intelligence to them and make them drive themselves, whether or not they're humans on board. Our first market is the commercial space, right. and they're more used to higher technologies at a slightly higher price point, but they can really see the advantages of it. How do they drive themselves? Is it fast speed, low speed? It tends to be low speed maneuvering, first of all. So we can take a barge or a tugboat and have it stay in one place. It sounds simple, but it's very useful to a lot of the guys in marine construction that just need to hold a barge somewhere or hold a tugboat somewhere until they're ready for it, and putting a four-person crew on it might not make sense. And are they driving it through a joystick or computer algorithm? They can do both. So for close-in work, you can drive it by joystick. If you can see it, you can drive it. When you get out of range of the joystick or when you just want it to drive from point A to point B, it can do that too. It'll do its best to avoid everything, and if it has a question, it'll shout at you very loudly and ask you to uh, see what's going on. 
focus of our segment is on Mass Challenge. How did you get in? We applied. No, Mass Challenge was great. We were one of the 3,000 companies that applied, and we were encouraged by our friends at Mass TLC to apply, actually. And then we were selected progressively until we got to the top 26 round, and recently we were a gold level finalist. Congratulations. Thank you. What did you get out of the experience? Oh, the experience was fantastic. They uh, provided us a lot of PR, mentorships, experience. Really, the deep dive days about our pitch decks and marketing materials were fantastic. They have a great makerspace as well. They're very proud of that and with good reason. We fabricated some prototypes for that and they were very helpful in, in every way. They really made the startup life slightly easier than it otherwise is. You've now graduated. What is life like post Mass Challenge? We're looking to utilize the PR and general kudos we've gotten for being a gold level finalist and push a little harder and raise a little more money. But you're no longer in their incubator space. No, you're we, no longer receiving mentorship. We are in their incubator space. If you're a winner, you're allowed to stay through, I think, May. Okay. So we, we still have space there. We still have access to their great facilities. And we uh, are continuing our relationship with the mentors we met there on our own. We also have a shop in East Boston. We uh, have unique requirements as a startup. We require a place to put a boat and welding and machining. And it's a little harder to find than normal. What is the biggest single thing that you got from Mass Challenge? The deep dives on all of our pitch decks and marketing materials and presentation. The help on that was absolutely invaluable. And really figuring out how to craft our message to the people who we want it to be received by. What is the one element you wish you had gotten at Mass Challenge? I have nothing bad to say about Mass Challenge. It was a fantastic experience. We're really glad that, that they selected us. We're really glad we apply and we encourage other startups to do so. Somebody is thinking of applying. What are the first three to five pieces of advice that you give them? Get your pitch deck in order. Get your presentation down. It's going to be high pressure pitching. You're going to have five to ten minutes to make a case and make the case really clearly. Almost nobody cares how your product works. They care what problem it solves. Would you go into another incubator program? Absolutely. They were very helpful and, and hopefully the terms of any future incubator program would be amenable to our startup. Is that for more money, more strategic advice, or a little bit of both? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Alex, thank you. No, thank you so much. Alex Lorman, CTO and co-founder of Sea Machines Robotics. Coming up, Splitsy sounds like a kid's game, but it's actually an app that helps you collect the other half of something you agreed to split. Once again, Craig Stoller. Still waiting for that $5 you owed from three years ago from the parent-teacher gift that you organized? Well, if you're frustrated, I don't blame you. That's where Splitsy could come in. CEO and founder is Michael Sattler, and welcome to Language of Business. Thanks, Greg. What is Splitsy? Splitsy is a group payments platform. We make it easy for any group of people who want to collect or manage or spend funds as a group to be able to do so. I mean, everybody we've talked to, it's a problem I've had my entire life, finds that that process of collecting for that teacher gift or pooling for a holiday party or any one of a number of things is tremendously painful and difficult. And annoying. And annoying. Right. And can actually really damage social relationships. I've had countless stories of friendships that have been destroyed by people who are trying trying to even out the amount of money that they've spent or collected together. Well, and could, you, could you spot me $5 yeah. right now? <laughs> I'll put it on Splitsy. <laughs> we'll take care of the whole thing. Right. Well, that's what we do, is we right. try to make that process painless for the people who are involved. And it's all online, it's all very e-commerce driven, and you're no longer carrying around envelopes full of cash and checks and chasing people down. You graduated from the Mass Challenge program. What did you get from that experience? Mass Challenge was a real opportunity for us. We entered about two years into our idea 
idea and at a turning point where we had iterated into a sort of version of the idea that we thought had a lot of value uh, to the Mass Challenge program and vice versa. You know, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time and I know I've had a lot of experience in that space, but Mass Challenge connected us with people that I would never have been able to get in touch with otherwise. But this isn't your first company. Why Mass Challenge and why for Splitzy? I mean, you know, for everyone, no matter how experienced you are, you're experienced in a specific niche. You have certain contacts, certain friendships and relationships within your particular social circle. Breaking out of that into the incredible wealth of mentors and advisors and just pure smart people that you wouldn't necessarily meet otherwise is one of the things that Mass Challenge I think does better than anything else. It brings people together solely for the purpose of working with these startup companies. If I'd picked up the phone and called some of the people I ended up working with Mass Challenge independently, they would never have taken my call. And that process of making those relationships happen is just absolutely shortcut in a big way. So that was by far the biggest value that we got from being in the program. Would you have wanted to change any aspect of that experience? Some of my best experiences actually during the program were when I got input or advice from other companies right within the cohort. And I think there's a lot of value there, especially now that Mass Challenge is going international and they've got all kinds of resources all over the world within the program itself. It's also really useful, I think, or would be really useful to engage those alums back in the community. I mean, a lot of those alumni come back in as mentors, which is great, but many of them are so busy running their companies that it's hard for them to spend the time to actually help another company move on. There are probably ways that would uh, benefit, given how long the program has been out there, to bring those alumni back into the, the fold and help the companies in current cohorts. Somebody comes to you now, they have a great idea, not yet a bona fide company, they want to bring it to the next level. Single piece of advice you'd give them? Rather than spending time researching things within an inch of its life, my advice is to go out there and experiment. Try to find product market fit before your product is fully developed, before your business plan has committed you to a particular path. Try different things about getting people involved, getting people excited, take lots of pre-signups, get lots of information. Surveys don't quite count. Get people to actually come on board and use the technology that's out there, which is so cheap these days. It's disruptively possible to test your idea before actually committing to it in an irreversible way. And you can fine tune with micro corrections and get on the right path so much cheaper and so much faster today than ever before. That's what I advise anybody getting started from scratch. Michael, thank you. You're welcome. Michael Sattler, CEO and founder of Splitzy. Still to come on the language of business, what's the key to success? Being smart, being lucky, or mentorship? As the language of business look at mass challenge continues. Once again, Craig Stoller. You're finally achieving success with your own venture. Is it due to good mentorship, your own smarts, or a little bit of luck? Let's talk with Michael Gresty and get his opinion. Welcome to the Language of Business. Thank you very much. You're CEO of Refinity. You went through Mass Challenge. What do you account for your own success? I think it is all of the above. With a lot of credit to mentors and guidance along the way, Mass Challenge was a great experience for us. We met a lot of incredible people there, gave us a home for a while, and gave us access to a whole network of resources that we continue to tap as we grow. Do you have any ongoing communication with those folks or people in your cohort? We still talk to some other companies in our cohort, and we are in regular contact with the folks at Mass Challenge. We've been back a few times to be part of programs there, and we helped host a 40-person group from Bouygues in France uh, because I speak French, and that helped with some of the communication at Mass Challenge. Talk to us about how Refinity's business has changed since you finished up with Mass Challenge. We've grown significantly. We were about eight people when we left Mass Challenge. We're over 20 now, so two and a half times the number of people on the team. Our customer base has grown from about four or five customers at that time to nearly 20 customers, and our revenues more than tripled. 
If you had to rate your Mass Challenge experience on a one to 10 scale, one low, what would it be? 11. Excellent. And if you had to evaluate Refinity over the past three years, how would you rate it on a one to 10 scale? It's been a 10, that's for sure. It's been an incredible growth period, a lot of growing pains, but we're finally starting to scale uh, significantly now, and we've just uh, restructured our management team and we have a platform for future growth. If you move on to your next venture, would you automatically again apply to Mass Challenge? I think anybody who doesn't apply to Mass Challenge is uh, making a huge mistake. It's such an incredible opportunity to learn. It's there for people to take advantage of. And I think the lesson for us is that there's too much offered by Mass Challenge for any one company to take advantage of. So you have to use it as a buffet. You pick what you need and they're happy about that. So if you need guidance on financing, they'll help you with that. If you need to find team members, they'll help you with that. If you just want to talk to other companies, you can take advantage of that. But you need to pick and choose and decide what you need help with at that time. How do you do mentorship for your own team? We have several executives and mentor team members. We have professional development plans for them. And then we reach out to advisors and others as executives uh, to get input and mentorship as well. Did any of your financing come by way of Mass Challenge? Indirectly, yes. Uh, several Mass Challenge mentors invested in our uh, initial and convertible note along with some other angel groups. And then while we were at Mass Challenge, we closed the Series A. And were they helpful in your negotiations or how did that process work? I think we learned from other entrepreneurs and we were part of an ecosystem that was talking about these things. There were also a lot of, I would say, educational training sessions for companies offered by mentors and other companies and those were helpful to us in, in better understanding you know, how to play the game. What do you think about their expansion to Israel, London, Mexico, obviously several points outside of the United States? Do you think it's good for them in terms of planting the flag elsewhere or do you worry they're going to get a little bit too diverse? I don't really worry. I think they've always conducted themselves extremely professionally. I think it's a boon to those other uh, venues to have Mass Challenge bring their experience and particularly their model. Because for many entrepreneurs, the model is uh, a, some kind of accelerator that takes uh, equity and Mass Challenge doesn't take equity. That's a big thing for entrepreneurs. I think the other is the objectivity and the consistency of their application program. It's a, it's a huge learning experience for companies to go through and that alone is good for companies. Even if they don't get admitted, they still learn a lot through the application process. But it's a very fair process and I think uh, that benefits the, the environments that those companies that Mass Challenge goes into as well. Over the next three to five years for Refinity, would you consider working with another accelerator? We were encouraged to go to some other accelerators and we couldn't see why that would be beneficial to us. We'd gained so much from Mass Challenge, we were just trying to put all that knowledge and learning to work. Michael, thank you. Thank you very much. Michael Gresty, CEO of Refinity. Thanks, Greg. We publish a new episode of The Language of Business every Tuesday. We're available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and TuneIn and Google Play and Stitcher or just say, Alexa, play the language of business. Searching for latest episode of the language of business. Here it is from my cast. We now have downloads in 27 countries and 27 states. Welcome to Ireland and Indiana. Thanks for coming on board. We appreciate the support. Our director is Mark Mandel. Social media by Jennifer Powell of ExcellentWriters.com. Consulting producer is Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. Audio editing and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of SomethingYouShouldKnow.net. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Thanks for listening to The Language of Business.